Hey guys, before we get into the episode, I just wanted to give a shout out to my friends at Candy Bar with their awesome candy kits. So if you guys have time, go ahead and check them out. Yo, yo, yo. What is up, candy fam? Welcome to this episode of Best Candy Ever with me, your host, Renee, aka Base Drop Princess. Today, I have a very special guest. She is a fellow Relita Rebel and is someone that I've actually seen quite a few times uh, this year and have gotten to know. She is someone who I would describe as a, a very busy businesswoman, but also someone who has time for uh, social media, creates great content, and is a great friend. So please welcome onto the podcast. Hello, Sammy, aka Sammy. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Sammy, how have you been? What's going on? I've been great. Thanks for having me. Um, I've just been kind of busy with work, um, going to the gym, hanging out at home. Um, here comes one of the dogs now. They're always so nosy. Um, (laughs) just been home with them. Um, just trying to live life and, you know, get past all the quarantine and everything going on, you know, in the world today. Yeah. Sorry. I can't stop looking at him. This is a boy. Yeah, this is Peanut. So I've got four um, dogs, and this one is the baby. Um, I have the mom, dad, and then this, their baby. And he just wants to be held all the time. So even if I'm working from home or just doing anything, this is what he does. He'll just jump into my lap, and he's just like, hi, pet me. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. He is, He. oh, my God, he is such a ham. Yeah, this is him all the time. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your your dogs? I know that you have, is it four or five? I have four. So I have three Pomeranians. So this is one of them. Um, and then I have an American Akita who is actually my service dog. Um, so whenever I do kind of go out and about, he tends to go everywhere that I go and him and Peanut are actually two peas in a pod. I call them Tweedledee and Tweedledum. They're just always together, playing, doing something. So he's here and Frank's laying on the ground. So they're always just, they're like my shadows. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, have you had dogs since you were growing up? Or is this, um, like, did you not have dogs as a kid? And you're like, I'm going to have a ton of dogs when I'm older. So I've always had dogs. So growing up, my first ever dog I had was a yellow lab. Um, And then from there, my dad actually bought me my first Pomeranian when I was 10 years old. Um, And then when I got my first Pomeranian, I was obsessed. I was like, I just need all the Pomeranians I can get. If I could have 20 of them, I would definitely have 20 of them. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I... I just love that you have your cute little dog family. Um, I have, uh, well, you know, uh, Speck, the pug, and um, Lilo, Chihuahua. uh, Those are my parents' dogs, but they're practically mine because when I was living with my parents, you know, I was the one taking care of them, Um, but I'm still taking care of them. But I uh, just love that 
you have like these cute little fluff balls running around podcasting with you right now. Yeah. It's like, even if I'm, you know, working and I'm on the phone, they'll just jump up in my lap and they just start panting. I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, that's my dog. And they're like, Oh, like it's, it's kind of like a good conversation starter too. Cause really like who doesn't love dogs? So as soon as I hear a dog, I'm like, Oh my God, what kind of dog do you have? <laughs> so it's always kind of nice. Yeah. I feel like whenever you meet someone and they, they say they have a pet. For me personally, I tend to trust that person more, which sounds really bad, but I feel like, oh, okay, you take care of, of something. You care about something enough, about something enough to, to want to, um, basically provide everything that they need and is kind of a sacrifice versus, um, not having one, but I, I know this guy who was like, oh, there's something wrong with someone if they don't have a pet, even a goldfish, something. And yeah. I, in, in a sense, it's true, but not true. But I I definitely know what you mean. Yeah, I, was, I love these guys so much. I actually have him and his mom tattooed um, on my shoulder. <laughs> and oh, I've got his, yeah, so I have his mom here and I have him here. And then I have my other Pomeranian, on my arm over here. Um, and I have my Akita that passed away. So I do have to get Frank done eventually. But for right now, I have, you know, the three palms. So they're always right here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love that. I Did you have to find a special uh, tattoo artist that did pets? Or did you just like kind of know someone who was really good at tattooing? So I actually found a lady, um, I was living in Texas at the time and she has pugs. Um, and I would look at her. Yeah. So every time, like whenever I see pug stuff, I send it to you and I send it to her. And, you know, um, when I was looking at her page, I just saw that she loved dogs. She would always do the cutest, um, like kind of the traditional style, which my sleeve is and like little dog portraits and just such like cute stuff. So I found her and I was like, you know, like I definitely want you to do um, their portrait. But at the time when I got Bear's portrait done, um, I was living in North Carolina and I found a guy out there. Um, Same thing. He had like a bunch of dogs on his social media page and just really cute portraits. So I was like, oh, I'll I'll definitely go to him. You know, finding somebody who has a love for dogs. I feel like it's going to turn out a little bit better because they're just super excited. They're like, oh, that's your dog. Like, do you have pictures? Like, you know, and it just turns out a lot better. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I didn't know that you had all of, well, almost all of them tattooed on you. Um. It's so funny. Whenever I go to festivals or shows, sometimes, sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish Speck was here or I wish my dog could be here uh, just because, you know, I love him so much. But I, I thought I thought about this one time at Lost Lands. I saw this girl with her dog there and I don't know if, if her dog was a service dog, but there was some type of certification on there. But then I realized that it I feel like it's kind of messed up, almost like animal abuse to bring a dog to a festival just because they hear so much. Yeah, they hear way better than us. It's already loud for us as humans, but I can't imagine how like at Los Angeles, like all that dubstep sound to that dog. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised that dog wasn't like, you know, crying or like in pain or whatever. But um, yeah, I... I had a dream of like bringing a spec to a festival, but then I realized how bad of an idea it would be. 
But um, there was yeah. um, actually out here in Vegas, like when I first moved here, I don't know if it ever happened, um, but there was like a it looked like it was like a dog rave almost. And it was like, you can sign up with your dog and you could go. But my only issue is, is like, it just makes me nervous because of course it being loud. Um, and then, you know, with having like all the other dogs there, it's like, you know, are people's dogs going to be behaved? Like, are they going to be, you know, nice to each other? So I never want to, here comes another one. <laughs> um, never want to put them in the situation where they could be, you know, in like danger or, you know, hurt their ears or something. So I was kind of like, uh, you know, maybe if there's another one, I'll see how it goes. Uh, where was this at? Was this at the dog park or... I'm not sure where it was. I saw it like pop up and I like had sent a screenshot to my mom and I was like, look, and she was like, are you going to go? And I was like, no, I'm really nervous. Um, because I know some of like the water parks and stuff out here when it comes to like end of season, um, they'll do like a do open dog swim. So like from you know, like 9am to 10am, it'll be like small dogs only. And then like after, you know, 10am to 11am, um, oh my gosh. Is your dog okay? <laughs> yes. He, one of them has like a heart problem. Um, so he does like a little bit of a cough. So he just like ran up the stairs, came over here. So he's, he's okay. It's just like a noise that he'll make. Like he's, um, like a little bit of fluid almost. Holy shit. I thought that was like an actual <laughs> drill. Like I thought someone was like drilling something. And then I realized that was one of your dogs and I got really scared. Yeah, he does that. Like, if I'm on the phone sometimes, we'll be like, is he okay? I'm like, yeah, he's, you know, he has a heart murmur. Um, so it causes a little bit of fluid in his lungs. So he'll cough, like, every once in a while. But he does it, like, just if he's, like, super active. So, like, he was just running around a little bit, jumped up here, and they jumped down. He's like, okay, now I'm going to cough. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm glad he's okay. Mm -hmm. So, all right, let's get to it, Sammy. I want to see one of your best candies ever. So one of my, I guess my favorite candy or perler um, is this Cheshire Cat. And it's got a little paper clip on it because I actually hang it at my desk. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. So I love this. I have a Cheshire Cat tattoo. Like I'm obsessed with Alice in Wonderland, Cheshire Cat. Um and I just kind of really loved the story behind this one. Um, it was my second ever music uh, rave festival that I've ever gone to um, at Phoenix Lights. And I was with a group of my friends. And one of my friends um, was like, hey, one of my other friends is coming from all the way from Washington, Arizona. Um, he's super cool. You know, you'll really like him. And when he, I met him, he had this parlor. And um, he was super cool. We're actually really close friends. He comes here um, to stay with me for EDC every year. Like, you know, it kind of created like a, a bond and a friendship. Um, but he had told me, he was like, you know, I've had this perler for years and people always come up to me. They're like, oh, like I'll trade you for it. I love it. And he, he's like, I'll never let this perler go. Um, and by the end of the, you know, the weekend, he was like, oh, you know, like he put his fingers up and I was like, oh, like you want to trade candy? He's like, no. So I went to trade him and I had a bracelet said, make that kitty blur. Um, and he ended up trading me the, per the perler and I literally was so happy. Like I cried. 
<laughs> and I've just kept this ever since. Like, I'm afraid to wear it to festivals because I don't want to break it. Um, but I hang it like at my desk and it's just there all the time. So when we kind of went remote, I hung it up at the house and I just put a little like, you know, a little pin up here and just hang it so I can see it every day. And just, it makes me so happy. Little smile, super cute. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so freaking adorable. Um, for our um, audience that's just listening, can you describe um, this candy so that way they can have more of a visual? Yeah. Um, so it's a pretty big size. It's bigger than my hand. Um, little Cheshire Cat. Um, purple and pink and he's got the signature big Cheshire grin um, on his face and it's just I don't know it's the cutest like I think it's kind of creepy which I love like the creepy cute um, and his little yellow eyes and it just brightens up your day like just looking at it and like you know it just reminds me of going to festivals and you know just like great times. Yeah and I this is honestly one of the cutest perlers I've ever seen. It definitely reminds me of um, cute little like anime style um, like perlers. I forget what um, my sister's really into. It. I think it's called Chibi where, where they have like the big heads and yeah. it is just so adorable. And I just love how they um, like usually you just see the uh, Cheshire Cat um, like just the face. But I like how they did the body, which is really cute. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of the cat bus from My Neighbor Totoro, <laughs> like his little eye. Oh yeah, <laughs> so it's kind of like a mix. It's like, oh, you're like Totoro and Alice in Wonderland in one. So it's like extra great. <laughs> yeah, that's super cute. And this is your friend that was like, oh, I'm never going to give this away, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, and we're still friends. Like, you know, whenever like, he'll come over, like for EDC or, you know, Vegas, I'm always like, look what I still have. Like, you know, and I'm sure one day, you know, I'll find somebody else and I'll eventually pass it on. But I've been kind of like keeping it in my clutches since 2017. Um, and like I said, I'm so afraid of like breaking it just because I love it so much. I rarely wear it. Yeah, no, same thing. I usually leave all of the really special ones um, like this one or um, like what usually perlers, I just tend to leave at home anyways, just because they, I feel like what happens are is is that people, I feel like they come up to you at a festival if they see you wearing it and they usually compliment you. And then for me personally, sometimes I feel like obligated to give them something just yeah. because they like vibe with you and they um, or just super nice. And then I usually end up just giving whatever they liked. But when it's something really special like that, um, I'm really scared to give it away on accident. Yeah. I, I usually keep um, all of like, this is like my trading arm, but all of like my candy I like to keep, I keep it on like a separate arm. So if I am at a festival and I tend to get something like you know, because obviously everybody comes up and they're like, oh, you know, like I want to trade. But there are certain situations where they're like, oh, like I want to give you this because, you know, you have great vibes or, you know, you remind me of, you know, this and they'll give you a candy. Um, those, I think so those I are think, the best ones. Yeah, those are always the best ones. Like I have um, another one, if I can even get it from under one of the dogs. <laughs> uh, this is probably the funniest um, perler and candy I have. It's a little sperm. <laughs> oh my freaking gosh. That is so cute. 
Yeah, and I um I got at EDC my first year. Um, we were waiting in line for the shuttles, and this you know this guy had tons and tons of candy, and they were behind us. And his friend was like kind of like super dehydrated, just really tired. Um, and I yeah, I think you already know, but I always am completely sober. Um, so everybody was just kind of like, they wanted to leave. And, um, I went ahead and I was like, Oh, like, do you need water? And like, was asking if he was, you know, okay. And they were like, Oh, thank you so much. He's like, you can pick any one of my candies, my perlers, anything. And like, I love Pokemon. He had tons of like the evolutions and just all this cool candy. And on his arm, I saw this and I was like, you know, I actually want the sperm. And he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, I think I've never seen this before. I think it's so funny. Like, but it's also really cute. And I was like, I want this one. <laughs> and people always laugh at this. I wear it all the time. People are like, is that a sperm? I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, that one is so adorable. And I like the color combination that he chose just because it reminds me of something vulgar but anyways um, it'd be super cute if like you made an egg one and had that and like maybe gave that away or something I don't know I feel like oh, yeah. <laughs> a sperm and an egg yeah that would yeah. be cute and put cute little eyes on it <laughs> yeah or like make a whole bunch of like little sperm char- or not charms but like make a whole bunch of little ones and then just have like that big one um <laughs> But I, I love that. I think I feel like some people get so creative with their their candy choices or even like what their candies say. Cause I at one point I was like more obsessed with candy than like how I am with it now. Um, where I was making a whole bunch of candies, but they would say the weirdest stuff. Like I made one that said placenta <laughs> and and just really weird weird um like plur like acronym or not acronyms but just weird words that had plur um just all these things but I my good friend Chloe she um we joke around a lot and we wanted to do this awful thing where we like made like kind of racist candies but as a joke but I was like wait we like people wouldn't understand that we're like joking if it said something um not 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 anything like uh like god that sounds so bad not like a slur or anything like that but she wanted to make one for me that said asian yellow or just just really dumb stuff like that but um i guess that's not really plur I mean, I feel like you meet so many different people at festivals, but so it's like kind of hard to gauge, like either somebody's going to think it's really funny or they're going to be like, I don't understand it. Like, I feel like somebody who's Asian, you know, like us, it's like, I think that it's so funny because, you know, growing up, we're always like, oh, you know, like I'm like, I'm yellow. Like I'll even say it sometimes like, yeah you know, from summer to winter, I'll get like this nice, like tan. And then I'm like, Oh man, like I'm starting to, you know, turn yellow again. And like, I'll laugh. And you know, it's like, it's a joke. Like in all of our family, we all say it all the time. And people are like, what are you talking about? You're so tan. I'm like, no, this is my yellow season. Like, (laughs) Right. And you, you, we have, we have that yellow undertone. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that a lot of people, they, they don't think, 
of that necessarily, but um, no, I, t- I agree 100% with what you said, that there's so many different people that you meet at, um, well, anywhere that has a big population or demographic of people like that. But that's the thing too. I feel like you have to kind of test the waters and you just don't know how someone's going to react. But then at the same time, like, I feel like it's all about taking risks. And if you don't take that risk, then you don't, you won't find out if that person has the same humor as you, or um, if you guys are like writing the same wavelength for the most part. But um, I don't know, because of that, sometimes I feel like that's kind of what what sucks is that you can't, I feel like sometimes you have to put a, almost like a filter on yourself sometimes with, with stuff like that. I don't know. I just, I feel like with, uh, cancel culture and all this BS, it's kind of like unfair. Yeah. I feel like everybody just gets, you know, instead of like seeing it as like a funny thing or, you know, just like, you know, just having fun with it, people always have to kind of mute their creativity because they're afraid that somebody's going to get offended. And like, I've had people, you know, cause like obviously my dogs have an Instagram, like I'm that dog mom, but dog like, influencing. Yeah, I've had people were like, you know, I'll put like a birthday hat on them or something and they'll message me and be like, oh, that's so cool that you put a birthday hat on them. And it's like, you know, it, they don't mind it. Like, it's not like they're, you know, mad about the birthday hat. Like they're perfectly fine. Like they're happy. Like they're having a good time. So it's like, you know, I can understand that they're being tortured, but they're just wearing a birthday hat and they're going to eat their birthday cake. <laughs> right. I don't think that there's really anything wrong with that unless the dog looks super uncomfortable or their their ears are being restrained or something like that. But yeah, I don't see any problems with that. Do people message you saying that it's like inappropriate or um I've only I've had it once and it was actually not on their like page, but it was on Um, like a Pomeranian group, but people, there's so many different people on like Pomeranian groups or like Akita groups and things like that. So it's kind of like inevitable. You're going to get somebody who is going to be like, oh, you shouldn't, you know, put clothes on your dog or you shouldn't do that to your dog. So there's so many just different opinions. So it's definitely happened there like a couple of times. Like, oh, I don't understand why you put a hat on them. They're a dog. Like, you know, they're having a good time. (laughs) Like, let them, let them wear a hat. (laughs) Right. And it'd be different if your dog, you were forcing your dog to wear a hat all the time, but it's their birthday. And I think that's totally okay. And I just love the idea of dog birthday parties. And I buy my dog crazy dog desserts and stuff for his birthday, his and her birthday. So I think that's like, they're obviously living a great life, you know? Yeah. I, I literally bake them a homemade dog cake every year for their birthday. Like if they each get a homemade cake, like it says happy birthday with their name on it. And like, I'll put like the fresh berries or like the fresh fruit and like, you know, it's completely safe for them. It's, you know, we can eat it too. It's just like a hundred percent, you know, natural ingredients. Um, I'm kind of curious so it, what, um, what fruits do you put on there? Cause I know they can't have grapes for sure. Yeah, no grapes, but um, 
like super fruits. So like the best ones would be like blueberries. So we give them a lot of blueberries. Um, green beans are good. We give them mango, just like in a lot of moderation. So like a lot of fresh berries, like bananas, um, anything like that. So and we usually keep like the frozen ones for like smoothies and I'll just like kind of thaw them out and then put them on the cake or get like the fresh ones. So, and they all like different things. Like some of them, like blueberries some of them don't like blueberries um some of them like their blueberries cut it's like okay you spoiled dogs like (laughs) I feel like a lot of them depending on their sizes they tend to like like smaller ones or bigger ones I know for sure our um my chihuahua Lilo she won't eat something unless I like break it for her and like put it in my hand and like hand feed her like a princess yeah, that's how um, I would say like Bear, um, the one that's sitting right here right now, he is very... Are they okay? Peanut. I can hear, yeah. sorry, I can like hear peanut, them fighting or something. Peanut and Frank are playing. Here they go. Like Frank's laying down and Peanut went over to him and he just whacked right in the face and Frank's still laying there because he knows he's not supposed to be playing. And then he just like, Peanut slapped him again. I'm like, oh, there they go. And now they're both coming over here because they know they're being loud (laughs) oh is that peanut right there yeah this is but this is troublemaker he is just he wants attention and he's a troublemaker so we call him pin we're like okay pin pin because he's just that like you know i'm trying to put it in a more uh pg-13 way he's just he's pretty much he's a jerk (laughs) oh he is so adorable I love them like I mean I can't see Frank but I can I can hear them yeah he's definitely here if he could squeeze his big butt up here he would but he um he's 11 months old and he's like 95 pounds so he's kind of big so he knows like you know he's not supposed to be getting up on things like if we're up here but if he's there like by himself then he'll get up here this is kind of like we have a little um seating area in our loft where I work and I it's kind of it's become the dog couch really so like this is like their area like they've got their little stuffy back here their blanket so since I'm sitting on it they're like why are you on our furniture like please no humans (laughs) do dogs totally claim certain spots because I know for sure um like we have this couch and the top part of the cushion is basically their, their spot. Yeah. You can see, you can tell where like spec decides like where he lays down all the time. It it does, the cushion doesn't even stay up anymore because he's like 35 pounds. Um, (laughs) Actually he lost a little weight. He's like, I think he's, he has to be less than 30 now because we put him on this weight management food. But um, yeah, dogs are a, God, sorry. I can talk about them all all day. day. Me too. <laughs> Me too. You know, it's like one of those things, especially because we take Frank out, you know, being a service dog everywhere. And, you know, he's really pretty. And a lot of people don't see Akita's. Um, so when they see him out, they're just, they have so many questions for us. They're like, what kind of dog is he? Like, you know, what's his temperament like? Like, where'd you get him from? And it's, you know, sometimes we'll go just to run into the grocery store and we'll be in there for like an hour, even two, because we get stopped so many times to have like questions for him. And, you know, with him being so young, um, we do kind of want him to be socialized. So 
a lot of the times, like, yes, he is working, but we'll still let people pet him just so he can like meet new people and have more experiences. Cause with him being 11 months old, it's like, okay, the more people who can like touch him and he can smell them and, you know, just kind of meet them. Um, it's better for him. Okay. I wasn't sure if that went like if that was good or bad because I know whenever I see a service dog out in public it says please don't pet me or I forget what exactly it says but it pretty much says don't stop and play with me and I was all I'm always like bummed out because as a dog person or a pet person I'm like I want to pick him up or I want to um, pet him or whatever but I have to like stop myself and I was always like oh I wonder if it be- if it's because it messes up their training or their attention or if it like undisciplines them or so to speak. But um, can, can you actually tell us your input since um, Frank is a service dog? Yeah. So with him, um, we have like either like a service collar or we have like a vest. Um, The patches say different things like do not pet or service. So if we are, you know, going to a store and, and our, I guess our goal is to socialize him. Um, We'll still put the service collar on there, but we'll go in there with the intention of he's not really working. We want to socialize him. Um, If we are going out and like, he's actually working, then it's preferred, like, don't touch him because if he is working, you know, petting him, playing with him or, you know, his mindset, instead of being focused on me, um, is being focused on that person. Like if something were to happen, he's not going to be paying attention to pick up all my cues. So it just kind of depends on the day. Um, usually we'll pick like a day during the weekend if we're like running errands. And, um, if it's kind of like, like a a Michaels or a TJ Maxx or something where we know we're going to run into like a lot of people, like children and, you know, people are like, Oh, like, he's really beautiful. Can I pet him? And if it's that type of day, then we're like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, um, we'll show them the proper way to be introduced to him. I don't ever tell anybody like, cause I have people like, Oh, let me pet him. And they come in like this. And he's like, Whoa, you know, it just scares him. So I'm always like, okay, like I make him sit as long as he's calm and then I'll have them approach him. And I was like, put your hand under um, like this and let him smell your hand. Cause then he feels a lot more comfortable. Cause if you're, you know, if, if somebody's coming in like this at you, you're going to be like, Oh my gosh, you know <laughs> what's happening. Um, so I always tell people come like under, let him smell you. And once he seems comfortable, then you can pet him. But if, you know, you go to put your hand out and he kind of is like this. I'm like, yeah, he doesn't want to be touched. Like, sorry, you can't pet him. Um, and we're really, we're really strict with that. I mean, with my past service dog, um, she was also an Akita. I had a, a kid just run up to her and just grab her. And, you know, oh they're trained. Yeah, but they're trained for situations like that. So she was just kind of like really offset. And, the, you know, the mom was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, he just kind of ran out of nowhere. I was like, you know, like, it's okay. Like, I understand, like, you didn't mean it. Um, but they're trained for situations like that. And that's why we take him out. And we try to socialize him just in case there are situations, you know, so kid pulling on him or, you know, something that scares him. So having those, you know, out and about days are, are good as well as having his working days. Okay, so when when he has his out and about days, does he have something 
on that says service dog or do you do you not put anything on him so that people kind of know or do you kind of just have to like tell people like oh we he's working or we just won't put anything on him okay. um yeah we'll just have like his collar and his leash and then we'll just take him in that way because um when we were doing training with him we'd put his vest on and it would be like do not pet and then when people would be like asking us questions like oh can I we were like yeah you can pet him and they'd be really like oh well it says do not pet and most people are usually too scared <laughs> to touch him um just because he's a pretty big dog like his head's like this big but he is just like he's such a chicken like when I tell you he will hide behind these Pomeranians like he will hide behind these Pomeranians and like my smallest one will be like all puffing her chest up like yeah like you know I run this house (laughs) oh that no I totally believe it I think sometimes big dogs can they just feel like small dogs or they don't they have no idea sometimes they have dogs don't have any idea of what type of dog they are because I know Speck tried to um basically this this giant uh some type of I don't know what kind of dog it was a big dog was like um like licking his private parts and stuff and he was just frozen and I could tell he was getting really defensive and he took it for like three seconds. And next thing you know, he like ran after him, which was totally unexpected because this dog was maybe like 40, 50 pounds and Speck is a lot smaller. So um, he he probably felt like he was the same size as that dog. Yeah, I would say Frank definitely thinks he's a Pomeranian. Like we have those dog steps um, for them to get up on like the couch, the bed, and the Pomeranians will just like jump everywhere. And Frank, he uses the steps. Like every time he gets on the couch, he will use the steps to get up on the bed. He uses the steps. And it's so funny because like even to get into the car, like he could just take one step into the car and he will just be looking and I'll have to like help him in. There's um, one time I was at the store and I was like, okay, like get in the car. And he like, couldn't get in the car and I'm laughing. And some guy is like looking and I'm like, here's this big dog. He's like falling back on me and I'm laughing. You know, when you laugh, like your arms just kind of turn to jello. So I, because I was laughing, like he was getting heavier and the guy was like, do you need help? And I'm like, no, he just, you know, he thinks he's like a five pound dog. And at the time he was like 80 pounds and here's this 80 pound dog just like doesn't know how to get up into like a small car, you know, he, he could take one step into. That is so freaking hilarious just because he, he. I'm guessing it's because he grew up with your Pomeranians. So he's like, oh, this is, this is the way, this is how life is. She has to lift up to get here. Oh yeah. He definitely, um, when we got him, we got him at nine weeks and he, like the Pomeranians taught him how to go up and down the steps. Like, you know, they taught him how to do, how to be him pretty much when he came into the house, it was like, you know, he'll, he'll follow by example with the other dogs. So he's definitely really, really bonded with them. Um, Bear is the oldest. So he's kind of grouchy when Frank wants to play or something, he's just like, kind of like nips at him. He's like, Oh, leave me be. But Moose and Peanut, um, they absolutely love Frank. And like I said, Peanut and Frank are two peds in a pod. They just everything together. Yeah. I could tell that they're your family and I feel like some people uh don't under 
stand that, but I can tell that um, you most definitely do. So um, I kind of wanted to um, ask you, um, when exactly did you get into raving? So I got into raving in 2000, um, it was like the end of 2016, like beginning of 2017. Um, I was actually working remote, so I'd move around a lot. And at the time I was living in El Paso, Texas, which is like a really weird place to move. Um, but one of my friends had moved there and I was like, you know what? El Paso sounds great. Let's just go. Um, and <clears throat> I met some people out there that raved and I had, I've always wanted to go. I just had never gone like, because I had never known anybody who would actually go to raves. And they were like, yeah, like if you want to go, um, there's a music festival here. It's called sun city music festival, which really sad. They don't have it anymore. Um, you know, we'll get tickets, we'll go. And I was like, yeah, sure. It's like here. Um, let's just go. And I went and after that, I was just completely hooked. Um, at the time I was just like, you know, I'd just gotten out of like a bad relationship. So I wasn't really like confident about myself. And I, you know, was like learning about myself all over again. And, you know, just being there, the atmosphere, how positive it was. And like, everybody was just like such a family and, you know, like the rave, fashion and everything everybody was just like so confident and I feel like that really helped build me into you know a little bit of like who I am now just because you know it really helped my confidence and it helped me being more outgoing and you know learning how to love myself again and ever since I've just been like let's let's go festivals a show anything I'm like let me let me get a cute outfit let's go (laughs) yeah um uh, speaking of um, like rave clothes and rave outfits, uh, when did you become a Relita Rebel? So I did my first shoot. It was actually with you. Um, we did the Psychedelic Dreams. Um, was, that, was, was that when you first became a rebel? Because yeah, I thought so you were a rebel I, from a long time ago. No, so I wasn't. Um, originally, when Rosa had come out here, like I was, you know, following Rolita. And then I saw, you know, the first time she had put out like a model call, I was like, oh, I, don't, I don't really know. Cause I'm, you know, not like a, I thought it was like influencer kind of. Um, and I was like, you know, I post my rave fashion and everything, but you know, my page is kind of like all over the place. And then the next time she had done it, I was like, you know what, I'm going to apply. I want to try it. Like, this looks like fun. Um, you know, I'm new to Vegas. I didn't know um, a lot of people out here. So every time I'd want to go to a rave, I would drag my boyfriend with me and he doesn't even rave. <laughs> um, but, you know, just so I didn't have to go by myself, he'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, I'd go. Like I, I dragged him to snails and I, you know, he was just oh my so gosh. out of place. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. His first time I was like, I love snails. I want to go. He's like, yeah, I'll go. He was so out of place. <laughs> it was, it was pretty hilarious. Um, and then Rosa was like, yeah, sure. Um, you know, she emailed me back and was like, yeah, um, if you, you know, come model, told me the information. And I was like really nervous, but I was excited because I wanted to meet a lot of females that rave. Cause you know, of course when you join like rave pages and stuff, a lot of men will be like, oh yeah, you can come hang out with us and stuff. And it's kind of like, you never really know what their intentions are, like how their squad is going to be. And you know, it's a little more welcoming when there's females. Um, and then after that, I know Rosa had opened up the program and then I became a role leader rebel. Oh my God. I had no idea that, 
um, that that's how how you got in. I think that a lot of people tend to think like with what you said, um, like you have to be an influencer to model for certain brands when that's actually not the case at all. And um, certain owners of companies are just super open-minded and don't care about your followers. They just care that you like love the brand, you love the scene, you love the values, things like that. So um, I'm so glad that you decided to do that. Otherwise I would have never met you and gotten to know you. So that's um, something that I just love about, about Relita Couture too, is that she's just so, so open about everything. And um, I think that's what makes her one of the most, um, like most successful brands in the rave scene yeah I was like, I definitely love Rosa and Eric like they're great um even if it's not you know something to do with just you know Rolita just like hanging out with them and just like having conversation like I know we've gone and you know they barbecued and we'll just sit around for hours and we just all have conversation and it's always just like great conversation we can talk about pretty much anything and like we all have different opinions and it's it's just great like I, I really love hanging out with them and I'm really happy that I you know ended up doing it because I met you and I've met so many other great women and I'm friends with all of them like I'll go have brunch with them or you know, like one of them had a Halloween party, went to her Halloween party. If I didn't, you know, with me kind of work, you know, all my friends are usually from work. <laughs> so it's nice. And like none of them rave. So it's like, you know, if there is a rave or a festival, um, like, you know, Hannah had come with me and a couple of my friends to a drive-in rave, um, which was really nice too. Wait, so which one did you guys go to again? We went to the one in Arizona um, for Seven Lions. Oh, okay. I missed that one. I, that one I was was one of the ones I really did want to go to, but I found out after it happened that Seven Lines was even playing. Yeah, I was super excited. Um, my best friend, he is obsessed with Seven Lines. So as soon as you know they had posted about it, I like my phone was just blowing up, and I was like, "What is going on?" I looked, and he's like, "Oh my god, Seven Lines is going to be here. Let's go!" Um, originally, me and him were just going to get a ticket. And we were just going to go. Um, and then it happened like, you know, three other um, girls wanted to go. So we're like, yeah, sure. I was like, we'll go. Like, um, I'll get a hotel. We got a hotel. I was like, hop into the car and let, we're going to go. Um, so we all just road trip down there, which was a lot of fun. And I really actually liked the drive-in. Um, I was kind of worried. I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm really going to like it because, you know, the rave atmosphere, meeting those new people and, you know, especially with COVID going on, I was kind of nervous, but it was really nice. Like, you know, having our own space to kind of dance in and decorate. And, you know, if we wanted to sit, we could sit down. Um, if we wanted to headbang, we had our own rail. We didn't have to fight anybody to get in the front. Um, and then like where our space was, we were kind of on the way to the porta potty. Um, so as people would be walking by, like, you know, we we're all wearing our mask and stuff and we brought Lysol and um, hand sanitizer, but we were still trading candy. Like I, I brought tons of candy to trade. Um, a big thing I really like to do is, whoever's in my like squad for whatever event we're going to, I always make everybody like an individual piece of candy. That's like 
for their personality. So like I had made them, you know, their own specific candy and then I made tons of candy. So I was like, if you guys don't have candy to trade, like I have candy just in case we can trade candy or. You had like a candy surplus. Yeah. I have like all my little candy kit. And, um, you know, when I lived in Texas, me and my friends would have like candy parties before any event, even if it was just like a small event or anything, like we'd put like a big sheet out and just dump all of our candy out. And we would just all like blast music and we would just like sit around, just eat, just chill. And we just all make tons of candy. Those are the Best. Best, yeah. Yeah, my friend Timmy and his uh, sister and um, sister's uh, boyfriend, our friend as well, uh, would host those. And I definitely look forward to that because it was it basically meant hours of candy making and listening to certain sets. And I, I feel like that was always one of the highlights was preparing for a festival or a mm-hmm. show. Um, and just the anticipation just made it so... Um, like it basically just hyped you up even more. And I think that's one of the things that I really miss right now is just getting together and um, creating, um, especially if you, if you like making things, it just releases uh, like it releases all that stress from your work week mm-hmm. or whatever the hell is going on. So, oh my God, I just heard that snort. Yeah, Bear's over here. He is um, passed out in my lap sleeping. Like, he's just out cold, just sleeping. He's snoring. And then, we, of course, we have news downstairs. And, if, you know, the wind blows a certain way. She just doesn't want, she doesn't want anything by her house. She doesn't want anybody by the house, the wind, the leaf, anything. She's like, why are you near my property? <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that snort just reminded me so much of Spec when he... Um, when he's just there, pretty much, he makes that noise regardless of whether or not he's sleeping. But uh, snorting, I know that's a little bit of his um, the heart murmur that he has. It causes him to like snore, and he sometimes he snores so loud, like he likes to lay. I for how I have the bed, I have like a memory foam pillow that I actually put behind my pillows and he likes to sleep on it. And sometimes in the middle of the night, like I'll have to like push him a little bit because he's snoring so loud. It's like waking me up. But I'm like, bear, like bear, get up. You're snoring so loud. And then he'll like get up and he'll just get up and go into the bathroom. No, Spec is the same way. Even though he's um, a lot smaller, he is the same way, especially if Um, he's like sleeping out in the living room just because it echoes so much because it's next to the kitchen. It sounds like a human being with like sleep apnea or something. Yeah, I swear. Like I'm like, for how small they are, like he's 14 pounds. Like he snores like a giant man. Oh, wait, this is your little one that made that noise? Yeah. Oh this my is the, yeah, the little, um, the little black one that was doing his little hacking earlier. Yeah, he snores all the time. And my um, smallest one, she snores too. Like she's got a bed up here. And like, you know, she's having the best sleep ever when her snore is so loud. Like she'll just be like on her back, like her mouth is open and she's snoring so loud. And like, I'm just like, I don't even want to disturb her because as soon as I get up, they all follow me. So like anything I do, they're just all following me. I actually really like that. I think it's really cute when they follow you everywhere and just want to be in the same room as you and um, 
basically just want to be with you even if you're in the bathroom and mm-hmm. get a little pause sticking out the door for it's weird door. yeah and it's weird when you travel like because you're like nobody's following me like it's weird like I can shower by myself or go to the bathroom by myself and like I think the weirdest like I always will say it like if we're out of the restaurant I'm like it's you know if I drop like something I'm like oh my gosh I have to pick this up now but there's nobody here to eat it (laughs) oh my gosh um so speaking of do you I, I know that you feed your dogs like the like raw foods pretty much do you if if like human food does fall on the ground do you let them eat it or are you like no usually they can eat it as long as it's not something like on the do not eat list um they can eat it so that's like if it's like a piece of chicken or like a fruit or vegetable it's fine but like I'm pretty like messy when I like chop like onions so I have to be really really aware because I don't want them to eat like the onions or um Like a lot of people don't really realize that like tomatoes are pretty acidic. Like they have to eat a ton of tomatoes for it to be like poisonous. Um, But I try to stay away from like, you know, tomatoes, anything like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know some people, um, they let their dogs eat whatever the hell they want, which I mean, it's your dog. But at the same time, I, I get scared for like the long term in terms of what it's going to do to their health, if they're going to um, live shorter lives. But um, I, th- I think, yeah, I think for the most part, they can have table scraps. Yeah, I know. Like, um, I know for like Bear, especially, you know, my family, my Grammy, I noticed like, you know, I was home visiting one time and I had Bear and I noticed that, you know, it was when I had him and my first Pomeranian, I noticed that they like at a specific time, they would go sit by her fridge. And I was like, what are they doing? And then I was watching and she would go to the fridge and she would give them like chicken. And I was like, um, what are you feeding them? And she's like, oh, you know, every day, like she had like special chicken shredded up and she was like giving it to them. So they, you know, after it was like repeated a couple of times, they would just go sit by the fridge and they knew if they sat by the fridge, she would feed them. <laughs> oh my gosh. They, they just know. They yeah. freaking know. Um, with, uh, we have a cat too. His name is Tuco. Um, he, he, He's he was basically my my boyfriend's cat first, but now he's ours. Whenever we go over to a certain cabinet, um, Tuco just comes running over just because, um, like nine times out of ten, we're about to give him these little cat treats. But they they just associate that that cabinet, or even sometimes like that that noise with treats that like those plastic baggies. They just like come running out, and yeah. um, they're just so smart. Yeah, if we crinkle anything that sounds like a wrapper, it's so, like, I think it's just the funniest thing. Like, if it's a dish, like a fork hitting, like, a a dish or a wrapper, um, my female, which she's downstairs, she will come running. Like, as fast as she can, she'll come upstairs and she'll sit there. And if she realizes that it's not food, she'll actually throw a tantrum. Like she has tantrums usually like once a day and it'll be over just like either she wants like the food that you're eating or she wants like, you know, water or she wants more food. And it's like, you know, they get fed once in the morning, once at night. 
but she's so greedy. Like she'll sit right under me and any crumb that falls, she picks it up. So like, I have to be like really careful if I'm eating something that she can't have. Cause if it falls, it's gone in a snap. Like she is the greediest. She runs the house. Like she, you know, cause I have the three boys and the one female and she, you know, she's definitely very, very spoiled and she knows it. She gets her way all the time. So she will throw a tantrum. <laughs> Well, they all, they all have their own little personalities and, um, it's weird. Sometimes I forget that they don't actually speak, but like just from their, their body language and how they act, I feel like they, they do. And we just don't, it doesn't like translate that way, but, um, yeah, I think that they, that yours are just so adorable and I can't stop talking about them because that's like all I hear. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this episode should be called best dogs ever yeah best dogs ever i just grab them all and hold them up i mean if moose was up here i would definitely be holding her up and just showing her off like she is really cute she's a little chocolate little chocolate pomeranian and anywhere i take her people are always obsessed with her they're like can i hold her can i pet her like where'd you get her from it's the same thing like you know with peanut and bear like um Peanut's pretty unique for a Pomeranian. He's got the one blue eye, one brown eye. Um, oh my gosh, like Marilyn Manson. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's just like a it's like a Merle trait. But some people are always like, "Is he a husky mix?" And I'm like, "No, he's a purebred Pomeranian." I'm like, "This, you know, this is Dad right here, and this is, and you know, I have Mom too." I'm like, "This is Dad and Mom." Um, and I'm like, yeah, he's a purebred Pomeranian. People are always just so curious about him. And I'm like, he is very vocal, like a Husky. He will let you know, like if he wants something or something's wrong, like he does these high pitched noises, like just so, so vocal. So is that, do people ask that because that's like a a common thing found in Huskies? Yeah, I think the blue eye I think people who aren't like I guess really knowledgeable about dogs they kind of know like you're very like basic breeds so that's like always their first question that ever people see a dog with like blue eyes they're always like oh is it like either an Australian Shepherd or a Husky and I know like a lot of those designer dogs are so so popular and that's why people are like is he a Pomeranian Husky and I'm like no definitely not like no, you can get a Pomeranian with blue eyes and they're always so amazed. <laughs> I, I feel like it's because it, they're, you don't see them all the time. At, at least I, I don't. I norm, When I see a Pomeranian, they normally have brown eyes. But um, I I think what it is, is it's just that like shocking factor, like that wow factor. But yeah. I, I didn't even know that designer dogs were even a thing. Like I, I knew that purebred dogs were, were like, you know, that's like the thing with papers and all that. But I had no idea that designer dogs, quote unquote, was um, something that people wanted. Yeah, it's becoming like a lot more common. I mean, I think it's like, no, not to get like off topic. It's just like such like it's adding to the shelter population, honestly, because people are always like, oh, I want like a Chiwini or like, you know, like a Pomsky or, you know, like a Puggle. Um, and it's like, yeah, you can go right to the shelter and you can adopt a Puggle or a Palm Chi or, you know, whatever these um, mixes that they're making, at, you know, and you could save a life, but people are going to 
you know, these people who are breeding and mixing them and they're charging just like an arm and a freaking leg for them, which is, I just think is like crazy. Like I understand, you know, um, you go to like a breeder, you want to get like a, a pedigree dog. Um, you know, a lot of them will come with like your health guarantees. Um, if the dog has health issues, it's like, you know, they will cover those vet bills. Um, like I know with all of my dogs, let's say, you know, Frank is 12 years old and there's a situation where I'm like, Hey, like I can't keep him anymore. Like I have to move out of country. I don't know, just something wild. Um, his, you know, the lady we got him from, she would take him back no matter his age, um, no matter his health, anything, because it's stated like in a contract and, you know, those dogs will never go to a shelter because legally they can take action against you. If, you know, they don't, they're, you know, the dog that they bred in a shelter. Um, but a lot of these designer, you know, breeds and stuff like that, they're always just in shelters and, you know, you can find them. I think it's just crazy that people pay thousands for them. I'm like, you know, just go save one. Yeah, that's so nuts. So I didn't know that if a dog is from a breeder, you said, mm-hmm. that if they if that dog ends up in a shelter, they there can be like some type of legal consequence. Is that because they like is there like some are there like different laws? I had no idea that that um It just it, it really just like goes by the breeder, honestly. Like um, cause I, it's like a big thing, you know, adopt, don't shop. Um, but a lot of people don't really realize there's a difference between like your backyard breeder, um, getting your dogs at pet stores and then having like a reputable breeder, um, which is somebody like bear, um, bear is nine years old and me and his breeder are friends on social media, um, Snapchat, you know, Facebook, she sends me pictures of like his parents. She knows about his whole life. Um, you know, if any, you know, with him being nine years old at any point, if I couldn't keep him, um, she would take him back in a heartbeat and, you know, she's kind of, you know, since retired from breeding, um, she has like his mom and dad and a couple of other Pomeranians, but she doesn't breed anymore, but you know, that's still a product of, you know, she brought him into this world. And like, if I couldn't care for him anymore, she still feels responsible, um, which a lot of reputable breeders do and they'll take the dog back. So for me, um, there's also like spay and neuter contracts. Like I'm super, super picky. If I'm not getting a dog from a shelter, um, I have to make sure that they are, you know, there's a spay and neuter contract there. They'll take the dog back. Um, there's a health guarantee. Um, I see where these dogs are coming from just to guarantee that it's, you know, somebody who cares about bettering the breed. Um, they show the breed, like that's their life. Um, you know, this isn't like their hobby, just making sure it is something that they're really passionate about. And it's not a dog, you know, they just don't care. Cause there's so many people that they're like, you get a dog and then you, you know, see this puppy, like huskies and stuff all the time. Um, like on Craigslist, oh, I have this, you know, six month old puppy. I can't take care of it anymore. And it's like, you know, if somebody doesn't get that, <laughs> yeah, you, speaking. Can see him, you can see him butting in. I'm like, get away from the interface. <laughs> They're all coming being nosy. Um, but yeah, like, you know, that's how dogs really end up in shelters. It's just the overpopulation and people just breeding them for money. Um, they don't care about that breed. And I think that, you know, for me being, I'm just so passionate about dogs. 
um, you know, I'm that person where people are like, oh, I got my dog from a pet store and I'll literally lecture them about a puppy mill, like, you know, where the dog came from, the abuse and everything. And like, you know, I know it's very naggy and everything, but a lot of people don't really realize, um, you know, the backstory or they don't realize that that's an issue. They just see a cute puppy and they just buy it. And then, Yeah. Right. I've seen um, uh, puppy places like that around here in Vegas. I think there's one called, I want to say it's Puppy Love or Puppy Land, but I just remember seeing that and then um, going online and researching um, the store and just finding out about puppy mills in general. And that just shocked me because they're normally not um, they're, they're like in abusive conditions. They're like cramped mm-hmm. up. They're all in cages. Um, they're usually like, like in their own pee and poo. And it's like super sad. And I think that that's something that most people don't realize because they see that the puppy's in a store. So they think, oh, okay, this puppy was taken care of its whole life. And um, that's most definitely not the case. But can you educate us a little bit on that and how or how and where, who, um, like how to find like animals that have been taken care of versus animals that grew up in um, in like these shitty conditions? I would say um, like a really telltale sign is like definitely pet stores. That's like a, a huge no-no. Um, you go to a pet store, they're asking people for like $5,000 for like a puppy that you don't even know where it comes from. Um, or you have people that you know, I would always say like really good breeders usually have like a waiting list. Um, they don't really, they don't advertise their dogs on like Craigslist or puppy find, um, because they don't need to, um, they're like their bloodline, their pedigree, their show, their work, um, kind of speaks for themselves. Um, you know, there's a lady here in Vegas. Um, she has like, I don't even know how long her waiting list is for a Pomeranian, but she breeds these beautiful dogs. Um, and I know she was saying there was a case where she had sold one of her males, um, as a pet home only. Um, so the lady had told her, you know, he's coming here as a pet. Um, he's going to be fixed. You know, we oh, so you breed. have to disclose that. Yeah, you do have to disclose it. Um, you have to let them know that this is going to be a pet. It's, you know, I'm not a breeder. Um, like I know for Moose, um, her breeder kept in contact with me and her, my vet, um, and was checking in like, Hey, has she scheduled her to be spayed? Um, what ended up how we got peanut was bear was fixed, um, at a very young age. And apparently they can have like a ball stuck um, up somewhere and he ended up getting moose pregnant. So lucky for me, um, the woman had, that kind of ball. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Oh, I'm like, Oh, is it like a toy ball? I didn't know you meant like genitals. Yeah. So lucky for me, she had, um, checked in like to see if my dogs were fixed and everything. So I had like this backtrack. So she couldn't, she didn't, she was like, Oh, I'm not going to sue you. Like, I understand that, you know, you didn't mean to breed the dog. Um, and she's like, you're going to keep, I kept peanut. Um, and then my friend took the daughter and she spayed, she's in a good home. Um, the woman checked, um, but they usually, they'll check, they'll call your vet and, you know, they keep them as a reference and they make sure that you schedule them to be fixed. 
Um, so they'll call and they'll check. And then once it's scheduled, um, they'll actually verify with your vet that the dog is fixed. Um, well, I guess this lady had lied, signed the contract, and she tried to breed the Pomeranian with a Husky. And the woman was like, it strictly says um, in her contract, like, if it's pet home only, like, you cannot breed the dog. And a lot of Pomeranian owners now will actually put in fine print um, when you get a Pomeranian from them, you cannot breed the dog with the Husky um, because the Pomskis are getting so big, they don't want this happening. Um, and she ended up taking the woman to court and suing her for like thousands and thousands of dollars. And she got the money and she got the dog back. Oh my gosh. That's so insane. I didn't know that they, that certain contracts even disclosed that kind of stuff. I kind of thought like it was, okay, you bought the dog. You're free to do whatever with the dog. I didn't know that they, they had all these strict, um, uh, rules or um th th that was specific down to the t like what breed you could you can and can't um breed them with but for that so okay if let's say someone did want to breed would they have to like will they have to pay more or is that yeah. something okay. so they um usually like they you have to pay more and then they have to check um, and make sure that you're actually like a reputable breeder. Um, so like someone like me, like, let's just say like, you know, I didn't have my males fixed or didn't have my female fixed. And I was like, Oh, you know, I, I want to buy like another dog to breed. Um, and they were like, Oh, like, you know, how long have you been breeding? I'm like, well, I haven't been breeding. My dog's just cute. And I just want my dog to have puppies. They'd be like, yeah, no, you're not getting one of my dogs. Um, and I mean, that's just, I mean, and, and it makes sense because it's like, I don't really have any, I guess for me personally, this is what I just think. I don't really have any business breeding, you know, just because all dogs are cute. I don't really need to breed the dogs to make more dogs because then I kind of feel responsible for myself. Like what's going to happen to those puppies? Um, you know, what if somebody can't keep the puppy? What if I can't keep in contact with everybody? You know, what if something does happen and that dog ends up in the shelter and it ends up dead or, you know, in the hands of somebody who's not going to care for it? So it's just like all that guilt just like goes everywhere in my head. No, and I think that's what makes you a good person or someone that cares because for the most part, people, um, I don't think that they, they think about, stuff like that, especially if this is like an impulse buy, like Christmas or Valentine's day or, um, you know, a kid's birthday or something like that. Even, even with other animals like Easter, I know that lots of rabbits, they, um, get bought for Easter. And then a week later, they, um, parents realize that they can't take care of the uh, rabbit and they end up in shelters. And, um, I think it's like, unfortunately, I like that happens a lot, but I wish there was a stricter mandate or something like how they have with dogs. I don't know. Maybe there is something like that for rabbits or animals in general. Yeah. But I think that that's a good thing that these reputable breeders will follow up with your vet that they're supposed to get um, fixed at. Um, I think that's really great. And I didn't know that, um, people actually went and took it that far and took those additional steps. 
Yeah. And I, I think that's like a big thing. Like, you know, cause for me, I've, I've been shamed before. Like, Oh, do, you know, um, I would get it a lot when I lived in Texas. Like, Oh, did you like, where'd you get your dogs from? Like, did you come from a shelter here? And I'm like, no, like, you know, like bear came from Virginia, uh, moose. Actually, I had a nanny deliver her all the way from Illinois. Um, so a guy like personally, like brought her to the airport and she was like this big, but and people would be like, oh, you got him for a breeder and with like shame. But I think people have such that like stigma around like, you know, breeders, dogs end up in shelters, but they don't understand the difference between a reputable breeder and, you know, a backyard breeder who's just wanting money or like a puppy mill. So as soon as they hear breeder, they think negative all the way. And it's, it's not I'm like, you know, you just really need to do your research. Yeah, so I know that you said a reputable a reputable breeder. Um, a way you can tell is by you said their their dogs and their work. But is there anything more specific? Like, is there some type of like forum, or is there like some type of licensure? Because I feel like it's kind of it's kind of hard to kind of know their their work, quote unquote. Um, especially if you're you're new to even having a dog. Um, I would say like, if there's a specific breed that you want, definitely like Facebook, I know it sounds crazy, but like the Facebook groups for these breeds, um, they're super knowledgeable. I know like the Akita group I'm in, um, every like month they post a list of like bad breeders. Um, and you know, like you can contact them and you can ask, and there's like a specific person there that like, that's just like their hobby. They do a bunch of research on that you know specific breed um breeder and it's surprising that there's like over a hundred breeders and it's like that's insane to me because you have to think like a big dog like an akita you know they can have like nine puppies and it's like you know an akita is a really difficult breed to own um they require so much work and care and like research and there's so many that end up in shelters and they end up euthanized because people are like, they're so aggressive. And it's like, they're not aggressive. It's just their nature, their same sex aggression. And, you know, people don't understand it or, you know, um, they like to challenge their owners. So, you know, like either like a kid gets bit or just, just a crazy situation. And it's just like, it seems crazy to me that there's over a hundred breeders that are like, they just don't care. They breed the dog. And once the dog's gone, they could care less. They don't want to know about the dog. Um, they don't, you know, they don't care if they get the dog back. They don't care if it goes to the shelter. And it's, it's just, it, I don't know, it just my, like it baffles me. Like, it's just, you know, people can profit and want money off of an animal. And like animals are so innocent. They're so sweet. And like, you know, it's, I pretty much put that as like in a category of abuse, you know, cause you just don't care. It's like, it's sad. Yeah, it definitely is uh, tragic. Would you say that by having papers for a dog, would that mean that the breeder is a reputable breeder, like having AKC or um, whatever those other papers are, or is that something that is really easy to get for, um, for anybody? I would say it's easy um, because you can AKC register like 
when you get a dog from a pet store, it's AKC. Like I had one of my friends, she argued with me to the nail. Um, she was like, well, the dog is AKC registered. So it obviously comes from somewhere good. Um, and then after I had like pulled up like news articles about like this pet store and like all this stuff and I emailed it over to her because I was like, okay, like if you, you want to argue about it, I'll just show you like the facts. Um, and she was like, oh, like, you know, I thought AKC meant that if the dog's AKC, it's a good dog. But it's like, that's not always the case because, I mean, yeah, AKC shows history, but you really only need AKC if you're showing a dog because it's like, you know, if I have AKC papers, it shows where it comes from or like, you know, usually when you get a showbred dog, it's going to be AKC. Um just because the parents are shown and they're AKC registered, but it doesn't always mean that you're getting it from a good place. And it's a good example with like pet stores. No, that totally makes sense. Um, I, I always thought that that, that the, that little, those three little letters, AKC, I always thought that was like, oh, this is from a, um, a, a person that takes care of dogs and loves dogs and is not in it for the money. But I was always curious in terms of whether or not it was legit or if that was something really important, but um, that's, that's really good to know. So I'm guessing for the most part, in order to know if they're a reputable breeder or not is to just do your research, check out groups, like you said, Facebook groups. And from and then- there you'll get like yeah kind of find them and it's all like it's always a telltale if like you do have one that's like um I always say like the spay and neuter contract or like the breeding contract um because usually like you know if somebody doesn't want their dogs bred they're gonna really check up on you like they're gonna make sure like this dog is only going for a pet home um because they don't want their like line diminished and their hard work um because like most of them like you know, I know a lady, she breeds chows and like, I know a lot of people like chows tend to be a little bit aggressive and she's like bred like a certain temperament into her chows or like, you know, like Frank's a good example. Um, you know, with Akita's, their temperament has to be like just kind of perfect to have them out in the public every day, um, around other dogs, other people, children, just because they're a very protective breed. Um, so like for him, like, you know, his breeder, she solely doesn't breed like off looks and stuff. It's mainly for his temperament. It's like, you know, they're raised are on like, you know, around all different types of animals, kids, and just like all these situations. So his temperament is just great. But, um, you know, if you just go to kind of like anybody, you can have health issues, you know, you can have temperament problems and it just ends up being like a big mess. Um, when you say temperament problems, cause to me, that's so, so insane because I feel like that, that is just so individual. Do you think that temperament can really be created? Cause I always felt like it was, I guess, I guess I, for the most part, I felt like that was always nature, but I, I know for sure it, it can be nurture, but, um, you know, the whole n- debate, the nature versus nurture, but I always thought that, um, people for the most part were born with temperaments, but I guess that could change. I don't know. What do you think? I would say it's probably both ways. Um, 
like, you know, like with pit bulls, like they get a really bad, you know, like, oh, they're aggressive, they're mean. But like, you know, usually every pit bull I've known is like a chicken or like they're so, they're great family dogs. Cause people are like, oh, pit bulls are generally very mean. Like they're raised to fight. And it's like, no, they're a family dog. Um, it's like, they're a product of their environment, but I think good breeding, um, can really determine that too. Like I, you know, I've had like dogs in the past where like, they just didn't like other people. Like they only liked us or they were like female aggressive or, you know, and obviously good training and things like that. You can train it out of them. Um, but it really goes back on like, I guess, you know, like kind of like us, like if you're like people were raised in a good environment, like your parents teach you from right to wrong. And, you know, I feel like that's also in dogs too, because you can get dogs that like, you know, um, maybe are like aggressive, um, good term like term or whatever that people are like oh it's aggressive because like maybe the parents are and then you have to take like those additional steps in training to like train them to be a certain way versus like you know frank he's already came to us just like super chill you know loved everybody just like this all around like good personality where it was like you know we got him started training at 10 weeks um but from that training, he's developed into like a really good dog versus we had like a, a good foundation to work off of. That's, that's so good to know. I think, um, 100% with what you said, I, uh, do agree with the whole, like, if you, if you raise them with, uh, exposure to different, um, people and different dogs that you can definitely, um, kind of control or guide their temperament. Um, the thing that you said with pit bulls, I think that for the longest time, I was always kind of confused growing up because I think it was like early 2000s or the 90s where there were all these horror stories about pit bulls. And I think that's when people were really freaked out by them. And I think one of them was even, the story was um, this lady's baby got killed by one. But then um, like years later, like you have all these different shows um, uh, I forget what that one is called. It's, it's like a pit bull rescue, and it, I forget what the show is. Oh, but um, they rescue yeah. different pit bulls, and they show that these dogs are like any other type of dog. It just really depends on how you raise them and if you abuse them and all that crap. But um, I know there are like so many different myths too, like they that they have lockjaw uh, and they don't. It's just yeah. I, I feel like it's just all. I don't know, just learning about them and being informed. Um, but th that's great to know that breeders will, will like have them exposed to different types of uh, situations. So that way, when you do get them, they're not um, like one specific way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's important too. Cause like I've had um, good experiences and bad experiences with like tons of different breeds um, volunteering at shelters or just taking in, you know, random dogs and everything. And it's kind of like, you know, it's, you know, just like us, they all have different, um, personalities. They've all been raised differently. Their environments are always different. And, you know, I feel like research is always a really big thing. Um, cause you, you know, when you do research on a breed, you kind of, I mean, if, when you kind of look up a breed, breeds are like breeds, like when you look at, Pomeranian groups. Um, there's so many different things that my dogs do that other Pomeranians do. Um, I've actually met like other ravers that way 
where they'll, you know, oh, really? that. yeah, like they've have a Pomeranian or I do. And I'll like message them like, oh, I, you know, I have Pomeranians and like, we'll become friends. Um, but it's, it's so funny because, you know, from like all my other friends who have the same breed, you know, we all tend to kind of stick together. <laughs> um, their dogs do so much stuff. It's the same as mine or like, you know, with Frank and Akita's like, all Akita's like their personalities are, you know, kind of the same, like things that he does, like I'll go on there and someone's like, Oh, does your Akita do this? And there's like 400 plus comments and people are like, yeah, my Akita does this and they'll post a video and photos. And like, it's so funny. So it's like, you know, do your research and you know what you're kind of getting into. So you can, you know, kind of, I guess, have that dog that fits with your personality and you know how to train them and everything else. No, 100%. I think that that's just the way to go is to research and through meeting different people and kind of going off of their experiences. Um, And I mean, that goes for almost everything in general too in life. But I think it's so funny that you um, met ravers that way. (laughs) Because I know whenever I meet a raver and they have a pug, um, I always freak out. I mean, even if they're not a raver, I'm always like, oh my God, like how old is she or he, um, uh, what's their names? And it, I mean, I love all dogs, but when you find that someone has the same type of dog you do, it's like finding out that someone likes the same artist as you. Or- yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, a, it's a bond. Like, um, one of my really, really good friends, I met her at a dog park. Um, I had my Pomeranians out and she comes running into the park. She's got her Pomeranian in her hand. She's like, whose Pomeranians are these? Whose Pomeranians are these? And I'm like, they're mine, crazy lady. And she's like, oh my God, this is my Pomeranian. Like, you know, and her and I became really good friends and we're still friends like till this day, like sent pictures of each other's dogs and just like everything. And I think it's so funny because I'm the same way. Like, you know, if we're out somewhere and we see a Pomeranian, my boyfriend's like, oh my God, here we freaking go. Because if I'm over there, I'm like, I have Pomeranians. And like, they're telling me about their Pomeranians. I'm holding their Pomeranians. And he's like, all right, we have three at home. Like, can we go now? Like after two hours of us just talking about our dogs, I'm like, oh yeah, we can go. (laughs) No, I get it. That's just, I'm the same way at the dog park. Whenever I see a pug come in or if I come in and I see a pug there, I like instantly try to figure out who owns a pug. I'll literally ask them, is that your pug? And and um, just go from there and it just takes off and we end up talking about their weights and what type of pugs they are. I mean, that's how I found out that Spec was um, a silver pug, which I didn't know existed. It basically just means that they have like a white, undercoat but I, I I only thought there were two kinds the the fawn and the black one and then when I found out that I was like what and then I actually met this guy who had who has a a brendel pug which I didn't know existed either and um I'm not sure if you're familiar with a brendel pug but it's like this it almost looks like a a calico cat and a pug put together but yeah that's what um Frank he's a it's black brindle, but he's black and he's silver. So his coat's brindled like that. And like, I, I love brindles. I think it's, I mean, it's also fun when you do meet somebody who has another breed. Cause like, 
and like your case, we're saying, I didn't even know like these colors existed. And, you know, I didn't know this was a coat color. I'm, you know, being the crazy, I always say, I'm like, I'm a crazy dog lady, crazy Pomeranian person. I don't care. Like you can put that title on me. Um, like, no, I and like, I love you for it. That's why <laughs> okay. I, um, I know we've been talking about dogs so much, but I feel like you're so knowledgeable on so many different, um, things in terms of health breeders, um, uh, designer dog like types. And, uh, I think that, um, that's okay because you obviously love them. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I feel like it's like, you know, when I have a dog, um, like I was saying, like, you know, my dad got me my first Pomeranian when I was 10 and that's just where like my love for them just took off. Like I was reading books on them. Um, their history, like their coat colors, just everything about them. So I think it's really fun when I do meet like a new Pomeranian owner. I've even had friends who have met my Pomeranians and they're like, oh my God, I love your dog so much. I I need a Pomeranian. And like, they've gone and gotten Pomeranians. And it's like, you know, it's a good feeling to either like, you know, I guess educate somebody or like help them just, I guess, be more knowledgeable about something. And I think that's why, um, no, I really like doing my research, like on like, you know, like the, the reputable breeders versus like adopting and um, backyard breeders. And it's just because I would, you know, growing up always notice that people would always shame, you know, oh, you're from a breeder. And I just was like, I was always curious just to know why. And then as I, you know, got older and was doing my research. So it's, it's really nice to be able to share that knowledge with people and like, you know, I could always learn new things about dogs or, you know, whatever. And it's, I'm always open to it. I'm like, you know, if you know something that I don't know, like, please share it with me. Like if I'm saying something wrong, um, rather than shaming me, I would rather you educate me. And, me too. you know, yeah. And it's, you know, and it's like, I don't ever want people to think like I'm shaming them. Sometimes I know, like I have friends and they're like, remember when, you know, I got this dog and like, you were like, Oh my God, that's so bad. But you know, you were at first, I was like, Oh my God, this woman's shaming me. But then, you know, as you were educating me, I was really, you know, thankful that you were able to share that knowledge with me. Yeah. And I think that's so important in terms of changing and adapting and learning, because you have to be receptive to what people are telling you, even if it means that you were like in the wrong or you just didn't know and were oblivious. And I think that um, that's a good thing. And uh, I think just sharing knowledge that way is important, even if it means you don't feel good at the end of it because you're, yeah. you're still learning about it. Mm-hmm. I think so many people are like afraid to be wrong. Um, so it's like when you bring it up, they'll like kind of argue with you. And it's like, you know, for me, if I'm wrong or I have like the wrong facts, like, you know, knowledge is power. Like, please educate me. Please, you know, share what you know, your information, like what research you have done. Because I mean, knowing, you know, the more you know, is not, not going to hurt anybody. It's always better to know more than to not know anything. Yeah. And even then, I think it's good to know, even if you don't agree with that, with what that person is saying, it's good to know kind of um, like what the enemy thinks, quote unquote, because from, from then, from there, you're going to, to learn even more like, oh, why do they think that way or X, Y, Z? And you'll 
you'll be able to see why they think that way and from and even learn a whole bunch of new scenarios and um all that stuff um I don't know I I love 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 I'm just listening to people and I think that's why I love podcasts so much and I've learned so much stuff just from podcasts and even just now just from doing this podcast with you I've learned so much about um about dogs and I I think it's that's so great and um no I think you're absolutely right yeah I think yeah for me always learning new things and like I love I don't know I feel like for me like just knowing you you know like a lot of people will say like, Oh, I know like a not a lot of like, they're not useful facts. I just know a lot of like crazy random stuff. And for me, like I love, I'm a really diverse person. Um, like I have like a lot of like different hobbies and, you know, I've done a lot of stuff in my life. So it's like, I can kind of relate to everybody because I like to try out new things. And it's like from talking to people and their experiences, you know, like if I'm talking to somebody, they're like, yeah, I jumped out of a plane last week. And you know, this is my experience. I'm like, you know what? I think I want to jump out of a plane. That sounds pretty good. And I'll like do my research about you know, skydiving and I'll go skydiving. Um, but from talking to different people, like if, you know, they weren't sharing their experiences, I would never know. And I wouldn't be able to broaden my horizons and kind of, you know, dip my toes kind of in everything. Yes, that is so true. Um, I say that because uh, there's this podcast that I listen to um, called Tiger Belly with uh, this um, hilarious comedian, but he was talking about um, like this bidet and it was more of a promo, but it was there like he had one too, or he has one too. He was talking about this bidet and how awesome it was. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to get a bidet. And so now we have it and it is so life-changing. And I'm just so glad that, so glad that I got it. And um, just from listening to his podcast that just influenced me and my choice so much. So um, I don't know. It, I feel like, like you and I, we definitely like to, to uh, listen to other people and get their input and we don't just shut people down um just because we don't disagree I think that's um one of the most important um uh characteristics in someone because you have to be open-minded and receptive to what others um have to say or have to show you or um etc yeah and I think you know like I've always been raised that way um because like my parents they're like you know my mom's like the cool mom and my dad's kind of like the cool dad like you know and they were always like you know experience different things go you know learn different things don't be closed-minded um and they also kind of taught me which is which is funny because like my mom is Indian and my dad he's he's white he's from um Chicago So it's like two different backgrounds too. So I kind of have like the best of both worlds. Like I have like my mom, you know, like international and all this, like, you know, people say like exotic. And then like how my dad, he's more like down to earth. My mom's like a little bit of a wild woman. I definitely get that from her. Um, So I've always just like liked new experiences. Cause like growing up, I would always be like, 
you know, oh, I want to, I was be like a goth kid, or I want to be like a skateboarder, or I wanted, you know, to do soccer, like just random stuff. Oh no, I want to be an artist. And my parents would always be like, okay, like, you know, here's paint. Do you want to paint? Like, oh, you like soccer? Here's a soccer ball. And, you know, they're like that with like my siblings too. Um, like my sister, she's very, like loves art. And like, they let her paint her whole wall, like all these crazy things. And, you know, I feel like that, you know, as an adult, um, now that I'm an adult, I'm like, yeah, I can do whatever I want. So if I meet somebody who, you know, they're like a power lifter or something, and they're like, you want to come to the gym and try power lifting? I'm like, yes, I do want to, you know, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to like it, um, but yes, I do want to try it. Or, you know, one of my friends, um, she does her nails herself and she was telling me about it and I've been doing my nails myself ever since quarantine. And like, I, it's like another hobby that I really like. So. Oh my, and they look so good too. I, yeah. I remember you mentioning that you did your own, but I can see that you have like super long ones right now and they look like you went to a salon and got them done. Yeah. So I just, it was like, now it's like a little like hobby of mine. So it's like, you know, anything that I can kind of experience, I'm going to experience it. What, you know, even if it's something that I don't like, if, well, if I think I don't like, um, like as long as it's like, like, you know, um, I love food. I'll eat any kind of food. Um, as long as I'm not allergic to it, I'll eat it. And even then sometimes I'll risk it risk it. <laughs> um, you know, That's how big just, you are. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, being open-minded, I feel like you're going to live a, a happier life if you're not so close-minded. And, you know, like we were saying earlier, you don't get offended easily and you kind of hear where people are coming from, their backgrounds, their stories. Um, oh, look, there's dog hair, you know, just how different, um, everybody is. Yeah. And, um, it's so crazy because I know you mentioned your parents and how they, they're very like, they're pretty much go-getters and they, it sounds like they encourage for the most part, everything that you want to do. Um, it's crazy because for me, it was almost the opposite. It was only things that they wanted me to do. So I remember my parents, um, like in kindergarten, they encouraged me to play piano and I ended up doing it, whatever. But then in high school, um, I realized I wanted to play guitar and they were so against it for the longest time until I kept on nudging them. And then eventually they, um, like I got my first acoustic guitar at like 15, but even with, um, with makeup, they, like my, dad was so against it and then later on I ended up working at Sephora for almost like 10 years and it's I feel like sometimes there are restrictions like the 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 more and more you say no to someone the more they'll say yes and want to go do all those crazy things so I think that it's so insane how it can like work both ways with someone that with people that do encourage you to go for it versus people that don't encourage you and you kind of end up with the same result. Yeah. Yeah. I have noticed that. Cause you know, I have, um, you know, like other, I guess like, you know, friends and I'd have friends where like their parents were like so, so strict and they'd be the type of person where, you know, they want to go to a party or something and they're like telling their parents, oh, I'm spending the night at, you know, so-and-so's house and they're going to parties. And I feel like, um, 
you know, growing up, like my parents kind of gave me so much freedom and they were so open with me where I never had like the desire to like go out and like party and do all this crazy stuff. And like, now that I'm an, I'm an adult, I still don't like to party. (laughs) Um, I don't drink, don't smoke, just like no nothing. And I feel like it's, you know, because my parents were, weren't so strict. They weren't like, you know, like, Oh, if we find you with this, this or this, like you're going to be grounded forever. And like, you know, I'm not saying my dad wasn't strict. My dad's more strict than my mom. Um, but I feel like with them being so open, um, about everything, I feel like, I don't know, maybe that I give them kind of kudos to, you know, the person that I am today, just because, you know, they are go-getters and, you know, they were very understanding of everything that like I wanted to do and, you know, so it kind of made me very well-rounded. Yeah. And I think that it's so, it's just funny how, how that works out. Either you you listen and or not listen, but you you pretty much agree and then they you turn out the way they want, or you you're like me and you kind of rebel and you end up that way anyways. And I don't know, I think it's just crazy how uh how influenced or not influenced we are by the people um around us and in our case our parents. But um, it's crazy to think like you're a you know rebellious teen days like you know I know with me I think probably the funniest you know for my parents is was like when I was like a goth kid and I'd make my dad go to Hot Topic with me and I'd buy those you know the trip pants and I'm like <laughs> I'm like you know you I'm getting flashbacks like, <laughs> yeah I'm getting flashbacks like, I can just recall a time, like, when I was younger, like, my dad <laughs> took me to Hot Topic, like, the trip pants and, like, the band tees and, like, you know, the Avril Lavigne days where, like, everybody wanted black tips. And, like, my hair was dark brown. I wanted black tips. I'm like, I want, you know, I want black tips, like Avril Lavigne. My dad took me to the salon to get black tips. Like, you couldn't barely even see the black tips on my hair, but it was, like, you know, him just, like, supporting me and getting me black tips. Like, I... I think that's probably one of like the funniest things ever. Cause like, you know, my parents, like they're kind of, you know, my dad loves tattoos and stuff. I think that's where maybe I got my love for tattoos, but you know, like, I think it's just so funny. Like thinking back when I was younger, like, man, you know, like I was kind of difficult for them sometimes, but they were so open with everything. And, you know, I always giggle, especially the trip pants and the, the black tips or, you know, when I wanted like pink hair, purple hair, like here's my grandma, my mom, like helping me dye my hair in the bathroom. I'd mess my hair up and my mom and my Grammy would be trying to fix it for me. And like, I'm like, man, you know, yeah, <laughs> looking <I'm> back. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that they're, that I'm so glad they were supportive of you though. That's, I think that, um. I think that helps your self-esteem as a kid and it uh, really just makes growing up easier because I remember, um, oh God, I remember having to hide certain shirts from my parents um, because they're super Catholic and I had this cradle of filth shirt and it just, just the writing and there was like some weird, I I can't even remember what it was, but it was, it, it looked it looks satanic, even though it wasn't, but I just remember thinking, oh, I have to hide this, or, but I wanted to wear it to school. So I'd have to, 
I, I basically put that cradle filth shirt on and then another shirt on top. So that way, when I get to, when I would get to school, I would take off the, the, uh, my, my, my fake shirt, whatever, and have the actual shirt under, um, just because it was so taboo. And it, when you brought up hot topic, I, I was like, Oh, holy shit. Because I remember in middle school, we would walk by and I would beg my parents to go in and they would let me. And the first time we, the first time I went in with them, they freaked out and they were like, why is it all black? How come it's like this? Blah, blah, blah. And they were just not for it. And it's funny because then eventually I ended up getting a job there um, <laughs> in my early 20s. And they were like, okay, whatever. Um, but it's, sorry, it's just so crazy how we turned out. Because in the end, I'm kind of like, oh, well, they kind of got what they wanted. I don't listen to um, black metal or metal that much anymore so they still ended up like <laughs> getting the type of daughter they wanted I guess but um yeah god sorry you just took me down memory lane I know memory. I mean there was situations like I know one at school I had like a friend of mine pierce my lip like oh my god remember those oh days and I my one of my teachers called my mom and was like Samantha didn't have a lip ring earlier now she has a lip ring and when I got home my mom was like you better freaking take it out before your dad comes home because boy let me tell you your dad's gonna whip your ass like he is not gonna be happy and like I took it out. I was like, okay. I ended up taking it out because, I mean, there were some parts where my parents were like, no, not at all. Like, it's not happening. And, like, I would kind of rebel and we'd butt heads. But for the most part, I was, wasn't was very difficult. <laughs> and, and you turned out great. You turned out fine. See how, uh, like, sophisticated. And I, I feel like people just they just associate those little things with, um, with bad, uh, personality traits or bad, um, people. Because I remember being friends with really good friends with this, with this girl that had red hair. And for some reason, I remember my math teacher having to call my parents for something. And then my dad went on this tangent about how I'm friends with this girl that has red hair, but that same girl was actually in my math class and she was actually super smart. So then my teacher was just talking about how um, she's a great influence and that she is uh, very knowledgeable and that I should, I should be hanging out with her and that it's not a bad thing. So I think that it, like in the end, it's just, it, it, it doesn't matter is what I'm yeah. trying to say. In the end, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it is like that. Like, I mean, it's like with me, like I have like purple hair and tattoos and, you know, people, it gives you like, you know, I guess people look, I guess it's like a stereotype. Um, like whenever I tell people like, no, oh, I don't drink, I don't do drugs. I don't smoke. Like I just live my life like that. Like they're always so surprised with, Oh, I would, you know, think you were a wild person. And I'm like, I mean, like I, can, you know, like I can still have fun. It's just sober fun. And it's just like this stereotype that goes with you or, you know, they think that like maybe your occupation's a certain way or, you know, and it's right. like, I've, yeah. And it's just, it's crazy. Cause yeah, I get it. Like, you know, purple hair, crazy. Like it's, it's not normal. People 
if it's not normal, then it, it's not right most of the time. Yeah. Do people ever ask you if you're like a hairstylist or if you are like in cosmetology school or any of those questions? Because I feel like they just yeah. associate um, <laughs> they associate like tattoos and colored hair and makeup with with that, which I get, I understand, but um, I feel like that's a question that I. I've gotten a lot um, growing up. Yeah, it's always weird. Like, I think the weirdest one, like, people will see tattoos and like, oh, do you do tattoos or like, do you do piercings or something? And I'm like, no, I just really, yeah. And I'm just like, no, because there's some, I've met like a couple of tattoo artists. Um, The guy who did my sternum, um, he actually didn't even have one tattoo and he does really, really good work. And it's just really funny. Like he has no tattoos at all. It's just like a preference. So it's like, you know, just because somebody has tattoos doesn't mean that's your occupation. Like, you know. Right. And I think that it's, it's always funny what, what people say, like when they do react to what you do sometimes. Um, Like I had someone tell me like, oh, you don't look like a nurse. And I'm like, Okay, what, what does a nurse to... look like? <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Because I've seen some nurses that look just like you, like all tatted up, um, like tons of makeup. And then, you know, you, there's just so many different types because there's so many of them and there's so many people in the world. So that question just always, um, or, or that statement was just always like really weird to me. But, um, Anyways, it's always, it's always a a fun, you know, subject. (laughs) Yeah, it's always, it's always really strange. But, um, Sammy, I had so much fun talking to you about so many different things. Um, I just want to thank you so much for being on Best Candy Ever. Um, Do you want to tell people where they can find you at? Um, you can find me on, well, I'm mainly on Instagram at hello underscore Sammy and it's hello underscore Sammy, S-A-M-M-I. Um, I always say this is like a kind of a pet peeve for me, spelling Sammy the correct way. <laughs> I always get the dog version, S-A-M-M-Y. Um, but that's usually my main source of social media is that's where I like to kind of post everything. I have a Twitter but I haven't really gotten, I guess I don't really know what to post on Twitter. Um, so Instagram's my biggest platform that I use. Yep. Nope. Who cares? Drop all your plugs. <laughs> I I don't care. You can tell anyone what, is it Hello Sammy on, on Twitter too? Um, I think it's Hello Sammy one or something because I wasn't using it um, for so much. So they actually added a one to it. And the same thing happened on my TikTok too. Like I wasn't posting or using TikTok. So they like, it was hello underscore Sammy and they added a one (laughs) to it. So I guess somebody else could use the username because mine was kind of looking inactive. (laughs) Oh, that's funny how those platforms do that. Um, But Okay, there you guys go. Um, hello, Sammy on uh, Instagram and hello, Sammy one on Twitter and TikTok. <laughs> but uh, once again, uh, thank you much. Thank you so much, Sammy, for being on here. Um, and thank you to everyone who has showed so much support for uh, Best Candy Ever. So 
Um, if you guys haven't done so yet, um, please uh, like and or not like subscribe on YouTube, uh, like and comment. Let me know um, your your feedback. Uh, what what you thought what, what you thought about um, all of Sammy's expert advice on on these dogs and just everything in general. Follow us on Instagram uh, at Best Candy Ever, Twitter at Best Candy Ever, and. Um, once again, thank you guys uh, so much for your continuous support, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.